Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sports Radio 610 presents The Outdoor Show with Captain Mickey Eastman. Good morning. Welcome back to the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show. All right, it's 5 o'clock here in the Bayou City on this Sunday morning. All right, let's go down to Port O'Connor and let's check in with Captain Lynn Smith this morning, see what he's up to. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning. Good morning, man. What's going on? Trying to stay cool. (laughs) I'm telling you. Boy, I tell you what, it's hot, isn't it? Summer showed up. Man, Couple so much for that they, mild summer they called for. It was going to be mild, and uh, then they called for a uh, below-average uh, hurricane season. <laughs> oh, man, man. A couple of days ago, they they brought a guy in uh, from offshore with, uh, with a heat stroke. And, uh, oh, yeah. He, well, you know, these guys, they, they go offshore drinking beer all the way, you know, and Mm-hmm. And uh, won't drink water, you know. Right. He, he, they said they uh, they told him drink water, drink water, and he wouldn't do it. And uh, they said they brought him in. And he was foaming at the mouth, you know. I mean, he was in bad shape when they brought him in. They had to rush him to the hospital. I mean, he was in bad shape. But, that ain't uh, good. No, not good at all. No. But um, heat strokes that. nothing. Heat stroke is nothing to. Nothing to laugh about, you know. It's, no, it's uh, not because once you have one, then man, you're really susceptible to no, yeah. uh, to the heat. After that, you got to yeah, really yeah. watch out. I mean, it can kill you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. One of my guide buddies here, he had a heat stroke several years ago, and uh, I ran into him uh, at Speedy Stop the other day, and we were talking about it, and he said he just can't get out there anymore. You know, he can't get out there in the sun. And um, very long. He just sucks can't all do the it. life out of him. Yep, just can't do it. Mm-mm-mm. So uh, anyway, he said he he duck hunts, but um, as far as getting out there fishing in that sun, he just can't do it anymore. Right. No way. But uh, zaps it out of him. Well, but anyway, boy, that, alcohol that's dehydrates cool. you anyway. Oh, it does. And, yeah. uh, boy, you, you mix the uh, heat and the sun factor in there with it, and it's just you're playing Russian roulette, man. Boy, I mean, yeah, back when I was uh, I was in college, I'll never forget. Uh, I, was in, uh, I was living in Port Arthur and uh, going to college at Lamar, and, 
and uh, this uh, buddy of mine wanted to, he wanted to go snapper fishing, and so uh, we booked a snapper boat out of Cameron, Louisiana, and right. uh, so we um, we took Dramamine for two days prior to going, <laughs> <laughs> and it, we knew it was going to be rough, and uh, so I mean, boy, we we went out on that on this uh, snapper boat, and it was like, oh, it was six six to eights, man. I mean, it was it was rough. And uh, there was a bunch of guys on there, man. They were hooping and hollering and drinking beer, and they were they were partying, boy. Well, that buddy of mine and I, we just sat sat on the on the back of that boat, and we were drinking cokes, and and uh, all the way out, we went out ninety miles, and um, we got out to the snapper banks, and we were the only two left on the boat. I mean, everybody else was down in the hole, Uh-oh. and uh, yeah, and we got out there, and it was rough, man. And you had to put your arm through the rail on the gunnel and to hold the rod. And, because, uh, oh, it was rough. And, but we were catching fish. I mean, he and I were catching snapper and grouper. And, and, uh, so we were standing up there by the, by the, uh, captain's cabin talking to him and, uh, catching fish. And we were having a ball and nobody else was fishing. I mean, we, we couldn't see anybody. And pretty soon we looked up and here came a guy on his hands and knees crawling up the side of the boat, you know, from down below. And he crawled up the side of that boat to where we were. The captain was standing there in the doorway and uh, talking to us. And that guy crawled up there on his hands and knees and begged that captain to turn around and go in. (laughs) And that captain said, I don't know. He said, "Uh, these boys uh, paid their money. Uh, What do y'all want to do? <clears throat> and that friend of mine said, uh, no, we want to fish, man. We're catching fish. <laughs> and, and that guy was green, man. He was absolutely green. And he just turned around and crawled back down the side of that boat and back down in the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no <laughs> worse sickness in the world than seasick, man. Oh, man, I'm telling you. Dylan Earl. And, and we finished fishing, and, and uh, we went on back into Cameron, and, and uh, we unloaded the fish and, and uh, packed up and, and uh, headed back home. And, and we had yet to see a person come out of that boat. I mean, we hadn't <laughs> seen anybody come out of that hole. <laughs> yeah, the, they were sick, boy. Oh, that was terrible. You know, that was a horrible feeling. Oh, I'm telling mm. you. that's. Uh, I've been close before. <clears throat> I can only imagine just, you know, as nauseous as i was and you know you break out in those cold sweats and all that when you're oh. tying knots in that rough water and oh man i oh, can only yeah. imagine what a full-blown seasickness is like it's got to be terrible the the toughest closest i ever got believe it or not was in sabine lake shrimping <laughs> and my mother and dad and i were shrimping in sabine lake and i was sitting in the in the boat looking into a, a worse tub my dad would empty the, the shrimp net into a wash tub, and I was culling shrimp. That was your culling box, a wash tub. How about that? Uh-huh. That's, That's old was. school. Wasn't it? And uh, I was looking into that tub with all that water in there, and that was slogging Yeah, you're back looking down, the boat's rocking and pitching back and forth. That'll do it right there, looking down oh, at the bottom did of the it. boat, man. It did it. I mean, I never never upchucked, but, boy, I tell you what, I, I felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad. But boy, man, it was rough that day, and oh, I felt bad. But uh, oh, I love what you tell them. You know, uh, 
they ask what you eat before you go offshore, tell them bananas. That way they taste about the same uh, coming up as they did going down. Oh, no, man, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, uh, man, I'll tell you. Yeah, like you say, there's nothing worse than that. But uh, No, it's anyway. miserable. Terrible, man. Yeah. And, you know, most of these guys come down here, the big groups, you know, we get, uh, it seems like they want to party all night long. Some of them don't even go to bed, you know. They drink all night. <laughs> and then they go out fishing, and uh, and they get sick. I go, guys, you got this all wrong, man. You need to get plenty of sleep, plenty of rest, fish, and then party, you know. Yeah, party after the trip. That's right. Party over the catch, you know. That's right. But boy, I tell you, man, I had one one group. I picked them up and and uh, we ran out. And this first place we stopped was a reef. I wanted to fish and uh, ease up there. And, and uh, when I idled up to this area, and, and uh, I hadn't even stopped the boat, and this one guy jumped up at, off the bow of my boat and he ran back to the back and sat down. And I looked at him and I said, "You're going to throw up, aren't you?" And he said, "Well, I might." And he just leaned over the boat and flew up. <laughs> Let went, it fly. Oh Let's chum. God. We're going to chum this he reef did. up for you, Captain. He, he was chumming real fast. And I went, oh, my God. Well, he hadn't even been to bed. You know, I said, oh, my goodness. I mean, these guys are something else, you know. They they get away from the house maybe once or twice a year. Yeah, they don't get out real. much. That's the way you no. can tell, you know. Y'all don't get out much, do you? <laughs> they they make the best of it. You see a lot of that at the deer leaves too, you know. Oh yes. At the oh, deer yes. camps. Yes, you do. Party like a rock star. Oh, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Boy, I tell you though. Oh, I tell you what you can tell is this heat's bad. I mean, I've got customers that are dropping like flies, man. Some of my customers are backing out of trips because it's so hot, you know. Right. I mean, they are backing out. I had some customers the other day. They said, uh, I said, you want to fish half a day? I said, I'm basically fishing half days, man. It's too hot. And these guys said, no, we're going to fish a full day. I said, you sure? Right. And they went, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to fish a full day. Well, about 10 o'clock, they were starting to lose it, you know. <laughs> and uh I said, uh, uh-huh, yeah, you want to fish a full day, huh? Well, about about 11, they said, we've had enough. We, we're, we're done. I said, okay. <laughs> yeah, they were done at 11. Boy. Said, full day, huh? Mm-hmm. It's just too hot, man, way too hot. You know, I think the it was supposed to be 114 was the, was the uh, heat index the other day. Good grief. That's miserable. Yeah, and I've been miserable. seeing, you know, temperatures of that, you know, in South Texas down where we hunt in the wintertime. You know, those are some tough animals down there to endure that kind of a summer all year long. You know, the cattle, the deer, I mean, all of it. And just, uh, oh yeah, they're tough. Boy, I mean, and the quail, too. The quail are taking it tough. Yeah, that's tough on <clears> them. <throat> But, you know, you get out there in the winter, and a lot of times on those real, real cold days and bitter weather, those deer don't even move. They don't like that. I think they get so used to the heat all summer and all year long. When it does oh, get yeah. real cold down there, they lay up. That's right. Yeah, I heard a radio announcer one time talking about, about it being so hot, and he said, 
man, I saw a dog chasing a cat, and they were both walking. <laughs> <laughs> Just walking. Boy. Boy, that's hot. Yeah. Yeah, that's too hot Unreal. for snakes, man. They just coming out at night right now. Oh yeah. Boy, I got that yeah, picture you sent me of all those snakes pulled out from under one house. I'd have burnt the house what? down. Wasn't that something? Huh? Man, had them laid out man. there. I don't. I didn't even count them. I know there was more than I wanted to count. It was terrible. Oh man. Oh, it was. Out from under one house. <clears throat> mhm. All rattlers. Cut yeah, I'd, uh, I'd have just, I'd have, I'd have torched it. <laughs> That'd been it. Burn them up. <laughs> Just burn the house down. Yeah, how'd you like to be one of these? Uh, you know, I air mean, how, guys how could somebody even sleep in their home if they knew they had that many snakes underneath it? A snake I can get that. in your house. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine worked for his uh, uncle that owned a air conditioning business, and they they'd have to work on some of these uh, trailers, you know, that had the air conditioning un- under the bottom of the house, you know. Oh, Lord. And he said, oh, my goodness, man. He said, man, they had to deal with snakes. And he said, I, th- I think every trailer uh, that they sold, they-, they included a pit bull. They had a pit bull living under the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> or or gave them a couple of blue indigo snakes, you know, king yeah. snakes to live under there, to, you know, for rattlesnake control. Yeah, yeah, uh, to eat the yeah. rattlesnakes. Good grief. Yeah, I, I might have told you before, I was dove hunting down in Kingsville one time, and, and a buddy of mine hollered at me. We were out in this field, <clears throat> and I went out there, and, and there was a like a badger hole out there in this field, and, and a big old blue indigo had evidently going down down in that badger hole and pulled him a rattlesnake out of it uh-huh. and he was laying upon top of that hole and he had about a three-foot rattler half swallowed yep. and uh and boy i didn't have a camera with me that would have been a beautiful picture man that that blue indigo had that rattlesnake half swallowed and every once in a while that tail would just go you know oh it was Hey, did, it was something. Speaking man. of that, did you before I go to break? Did you see that video of that uh, deer on the side of the road? Somebody stopped and was videoing eating a snake. Yes, I did. Did Wasn't you that see something? that? No, I never yeah. heard nothing like that. I I admit it. Never seen no. anything like that. Somebody needs to feed that deer. That deer was hungry. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, to eat a snake. <laughs> Can you believe that? Hey, hang on. No. Let me knock his break out. I'll be right back, buddy. Come All right. With me. All right. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 610 presents The Outdoor Show with Captain Mickey Eastman. Good morning. Welcome back to Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show. All right. It's 518 here in the Bayou City. We'll go back and talk some more with Captain Lynn Smith. All right, Lynn, we're back, buddy. Yeah, I was uh, I was listening to uh, you talking to Cliff, Cliff Webb, uh, yesterday, I guess it was. Yeah. And, uh, oh, uh, I love old Cliff. Boy, he's, he, I've only he's, fished with Cliff he, one time. He's, but, a, he's a kind of guy you just can't, you know, you got to like. Oh, yeah. He, he's, oh, yeah. Good I, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed fishing with him. But uh, but anyway, uh, y'all were talking about jig heads. You know, different weight jig heads. And uh-huh. uh, you know, for years and years, I I didn't fish with anything but eighth ounce. That's all I fish with here because right. we've got so much grass. We got so much grass and uh, and uh, shell. And uh, you know, I I'd, I'd go to different areas and, and customers say, well, what what weight jig head are you going to use? I go eight. If you throw anything but an eighth, you're going to be hung up. I'll guarantee you. Mm-hmm. You, know, you got to keep it up out of that grass, you know, or or off that shell. And uh, so, I mean, I I throw nothing but an eighth ounce. And uh, I mean, I'll carry a quarter, uh, even a three eighths. Uh, if I'm in the surf, I'll throw a three eighths. But right. uh, but man, <clears throat> for for years and years, I didn't throw anything but an eighth ounce. That's it. I just got so used to throwing that. But uh, but unless it was windy, <laughs> you know. Right. But uh, man, I tell you what, I, I don't. I can't tell you how many eight ounce jig heads I'd go through in a year. It was unbelievable. I was going. I was going through a bag of them a year, big bag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, we we'd fish these reefs in San Antonio Bay and all that. You got to keep it up off that shell. Thank yeah, you. we used to have all that live oyster shell. We used to go through a lot of jig heads. I don't go through much anymore like I used to back in the day. No. Because, you know, I a lot of that to. shell's dead, and you can flip it over, and it'll come loose. But, boy, mm-hmm. when you're alive and them big old pig ears sticking up, man, you hook one of them. Oh, it's yeah. Break, it's break-off city. Yeah, I know it. You know, the, they used to say you had to replace that shell, you know, on those reefs. but. Mm-hmm. You don't see them doing it, you know, but, uh, you see, these well, you hear a little bit about it, a little bit of wind addressing here and there, but, uh, I mean, for the amount of, uh, live oyster beds we've lost, you know, up here in our, our base system, it's, it's going to take a huge effort to bring oh, it back. Huge effort. Well, they're talking about dredging the ship channel here from, mm. uh, the jetties up to, uh, uh, Point Comfort. And um, there's a huge area there that we've got a lot of oyster in it. And I just kind of hold my breath because we catch a lot of trout uh, off one of these, one of these areas there. And uh, I know good and well, if they, if they do dredge that channel, they're going to, they're just going to kill that whole area. 
because they're where are they going to pump the spoil? You know, right? They'll dump it they're, on top of what the existing spoil that's that's been there. Yeah. And uh, yeah. You know, that first project we had that big ship channel dredging project up here. They were building uh, retainment levees. You know what we call revetments, and mm-hmm. they would uh, put the you know, that uh, fiber mesh down, whatever, and dump all the rocks on top of it, you know, build it up with spoil first and then lay the mesh over it and then pile the rocks up and then have, like, a huge reservoir inside that pump all that raw spoil into. And, mm-hmm. uh, but now the couple of areas I'm watching, you know, they're just dumping the raw spoil just right into the bay and mounting it up. And probably eventually... Once they get that uh, mounted up where they want, then they can groom it and then make a retainment levy out of it and rock it and all that. So it's a it's a big deal. Oh yeah, <clears throat> especially yeah, this new widening project they're they're doing to our channel again. I mean they're going to widen it by seventy two feet in the width and then deepen it into the fifties, fifty something feet deep. You know, it's to allow Man. for more traffic and these big super tankers and everything else that come in giant container ships. And that way they're, you know, they got more width in the channel to pass one another. Cause I mean, it's busy. I mean, if you, mm. you know, I've always been a channel hound, especially in the summertime. I love fishing all the shell and spoil banks and stuff along a channel in the hot summer mm-hmm. fish havens. And, uh, I mean, it's so bad now. Some of the shallow areas, the towheads and the mounds that you normally fish, it's dangerous. You got to watch out. That ship traffic is just—it's just one after another coming into the port oh, of Houston. Man. You got to be yeah, really um, careful out there, buddy. There's one reef I really like fishing up the channel here, and uh, if you're out there wading that reef, uh, you got to really keep an eye out for these tankers, you know, mm-hmm. because boy, these tankers come come by. Especially if they're loaded, you know. Boy, I mean, they can throw some wakes now. You yeah, know, you, you know. If well they're sitting that, down to that water line and they're even just creeping, going the speed limit, they're still going to throw out some. Uh, boy, that water displacement's unbelievable off oh, those giant man. vessels like that. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, Monstrous. I hurry back to the boat. Oh, I, I get on that boat. I mean, I, I point that boat into the wake, <laughs> and buddy, hang on. <laughs> I mean, there's you been better. so many, I mean, experienced guides that have fished here forever, and they still get rolled over. Oh, I that's, bet. Uh, that's not a very uh, good thing when you got a boat full of customers and you do something like that. That's uh, oh, pretty much no. career-ending uh, incidents. <laughs> I can imagine. You know, yeah, these, especially uh, somebody these tankers hurt. Are, those tankers are unforgiving, you know. They... Uh, they don't really care, you know. They they got a job to do. And, yeah, that's uh, commerce, it, man. That's uh, that's the right. worst here for us are those big giant container ships, you know, that are coming oh, yeah. into the Bayport Channel and Port of Houston. And boy, I tell you, Bill, <laughs> you see one of those coming, it's time to move. <laughs> I bet you better know it, boy. Those are big ships. Just getting deep water where you can put your nose into it, and you don't get any breakers or anything, and you're good to go. But boy, you're you're in there in uh, six feet of water or less over those uh, spoils. That's where the big breakers are. I mean, it's hmm. it's great surfing. 
A lot of guys yeah. are doing it. You know, we used to do that back in the day, and now that's kind of a big deal. A lot of guys surf those breaks. Man, that can get a little dangerous. Mm. Yeah, mm. it can. Boy, howdy. Not to mention what's swimming around there on the channel, man. There's some giant sharks swimming up and down that ship channel up here. Oh, I can imagine. Man, I've seen some that take your breath away. <laughs> oh, I saw some the other day. I mean, when we uh, we went down to Cedar Bayou out in the surf on right. the way back, uh, a customer of mine went, went, oh, my God, look at this. And there was a shark up on one of the sandbars there. And uh, he was, he looks like he's big as the boat. <laughs> you know, he was a big one, boy. And uh, I mean, there's some good ones out there. Yeah, I've seen some huge uh, hammerheads out there, too. Yeah. Big hammerheads. Big Tigers and hammers. Yep, yep. Big ones, boy. Cedar Bayou, so it's it's opened up real good. You can cut, you can cut out into the Gulf now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cut all the way out, and uh, it's flowing good. Good, that'll help yeah, San Antonio Bay, buddy. Oh, it, it will. All of that down there, Carlos. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That really helped Mesquite Bay and um, Ayers Bay and all that. Ayers dug out. Some mm-hmm. good fish haunts down there in that part of the country. Oh gosh, yes. Mm-hmm. I love that area of Mesquite and, and uh, Ayers. That's um, I hang out down there a lot during the spring. Right. And uh, that's um, one of my territories. I like fishing that area because <clears throat> you know you got guts that run parallel the shoreline down there, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, those fish use them like highways. And, sure they uh, do. Well, there's good good fishing down there, man. But you got to have tidal flow. You know, you got to have water moving. And uh, when Cedar Bayou closed up, well, it just kind of killed that area. Yep. But uh, with that Cedar Bayou open, that really helps. You know, I was reading the book. Well, and you're uh, getting that good influx of that Gulf water too. That only helps the habitat, also. You know. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I was reading a book about uh, LaSalle, the French explorer LaSalle. Mm-hmm. When he came down, uh, came here, um, he actually sent a boat up Cedar Bayou to get fresh water. And they huh. talked about him sending a boat up a bayou uh, looking for fresh water. Well, it was Cedar Bayou that he sent the boat up. That's where he went. And uh, and then he came, uh, he came on up to... Uh, uh, Pascavallo, and um, he actually sank a boat in Pascavallo, sank the main ship in Pascavallo. Wow. Yeah, and it was kind of funny. Uh, the uh, president of the Historical Society uh, was talking to me and telling me about LaSalle's trip, and he said, he said uh, LaSalle wasn't exactly a nice guy, and uh, he said the uh, <laughs> The one of the captains took a smaller boat in the Pascavallo and he marked the channel with with sticks, and then came back out to uh, LaSalle and told him. He said, "Look, it, the channel is kind of treacherous." And he said, "The main ship is overloaded. Won't you let me uh, captain the main supply ship in?" And uh, he said, LaSalle said, "I didn't bring any advisors on this trip." Yeah. <laughs> and so he let this other captain take the main supply ship in. Well, he ran to the ground and sank it in the pass. Oh. 
Yeah. And they, they haven't found it. They haven't found it yet. But he said that they've got eight targets that they want to excavate. And that's probably one of them, I'm sure. Yeah, that's a big deal up here where where Jean Lafitte's uh, lost treasure is. Buried treasure, mm-hmm. you know, up my way. Yeah. Some say it could be in the marsh in the back of Trinity Bay. You know, others say it could be in West, but they don't know. All right. They did. When, somebody uh, would have found it by now, all that gold. Oh, you'd think. When they found LaSalle's ship over here in the bay, in, in uh, West Bay, and they built that coffer dam around it. I went down right. in there one day with the, with the uh, president of the historical Yeah, that was Society. an interesting project. Oh, man, I'm telling you. That was pretty and, uh, cool. Oh, it was. And they, they had boards laid across it, and these archaeologists were laying over there and popping stuff out. And this, this girl archaeologist was popping these cannonballs out. It was a pile of them. And uh, I was standing there with a friend of mine and, <clears throat> and this uh, president of the Historical Society. And uh, this girl popped out this cannonball, and it was about two inches in diameter, a small one. Mm-hmm. And uh, she popped this cannonball out, and I said, uh, can I see that? And she handed it to me, and I'm holding this cannonball. And I, I looked at this friend of mine, and I said, think about this. I'm the second person to hold this cannonball in over 300 years. Right. I said, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, it is. I said, that is, that is pretty awesome, you know. It I is. mean, you know, I love history anyway. Sure, I, mean, I do too. I've always been into it. That's that's that was my best uh, graded subject in high school was history. Oh yeah. Hey, hang on, that, man. Let me knock this break out, Liam. We'll come back and talk some more about this. Hang with me. Okay. Picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents The Outdoor Show with Captain Mickey Eastman. Good morning. Welcome back to the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show, 535 here in the Bayou City. All right, Captain Lynn, we are back, my friend. Yes, sir. Boy, yesterday morning it was dead calm, and then that wind picked up, and it was howling. Yeah, it got some people. (laughs) I know some guys that took long boat rides to go fish somewhere they hadn't been in a while because it was calm. Uh Oh, man. When that wind got up, it was was brutal coming back. Oh, yeah. It was kind of a south-southwest and howling. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's... uh, it's like 14 to 18 here in the bay and then 18 to 22 offshore, So, and it's southwest, so that's not good. Ooh, that's brutal. Brutal. Yeah, and uh, and plus that high pressure hanging over us. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready for that high pressure to get out of here. Yeah, that doesn't help us at all. You know, I years know. ago, years ago, I heard uh, a weatherman, I'll never forget this, I uh, heard a weatherman say, uh, well, it's high pressure. The fish aren't, aren't biting. And, uh, boy, my ears perked up. <laughs> and uh, and somebody said, well, why is that? And he said, well, when it's high pressure, their air bladder expands, and they uh, they think they're full. And I thought, well, that makes sense. <laughs> and, and it does. And I thought, well, yeah. And uh, sure enough, it does. It works. Yeah, high, real high high barometers. Uh, it makes fishing tough. Low barometer. It. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess uh, you know there may be some theory to that. It may shrink that bladder down so small that they feel empty and they want to feed more. That's right. Yeah. Makes sense. You know. It does. You know. Yeah. Well, feel. You know, put on a pair of waders and uh, wade. You know, in the wintertime when the uh, pressure is real high, you know how they squeeze against your legs and feel oh, more. Oh, yeah. Yep. And on a low barometer, you don't feel that. Well, I never thought about that, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some days, you know, after a front in the wintertime and you're wade fishing, and that barometer's way up, well over 30 inches, you can feel it on your legs the way your, you know, waders can press against your legs, tighten up. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yep. Oh, howdy. <clears throat> or maybe you just drank too much beer the night before and your legs are swollen more. <laughs> that could have something to do with I'd it. Throw that in there, too. Too oh, much howdy. salt in your diet. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, that could have a lot no, to do with it. Getting back to the history, the Texas coast has a lot of history. Well, it does. And yeah. we have a lot of history right here. You do. I mean, it's, Port O'Connor and, and Galveston Bay has a ton of history, too, you know, from we do. the Toronto Indians and, you know, the pirate mm-hmm. ships that came in. And, and uh, you know, you read all the old logs from there where they'd have explorers come into the bay. And and the, the they said the waters of Galveston Bay had just turned red with fish. So how many redfish you think there were back oh. then? Good Lord. Oh, you can imagine. You can just imagine. I... Uh, I may have told you this before, but I years ago I, I we had a real real high tide and and uh, a super high tide and water was uh-huh. over the island basically and I uh, I ran my airboat and I I was just kind of cruising just exploring you know and I I was running over the island and through the salt grass and everything 
and I saw something sticking up and, and, uh, and I just shut down and kind of idled around this. It was metal sticking up steel and, uh, idled around it. And I thought, what in the world is this? You know, and idled around it trying to figure out what it was. And finally I, I, the light went off and I realized what it was. And it was the paddle wheel of a paddle wheel boat. Really? You know? Yeah. And I said, that is a paddle wheel steamer boat. And uh-huh. it's inland. It's inland off off the island. It's and it kind of tells you where where the island was or where the pass was way back when, like during uh-huh. the Civil War. And so what I did is when I got back, I started kind of researching it and found out that, yeah, that's that's what it was. It was an old Civil War paddle wheeler. And um, and that's what it was. I looked up in a book, and sure enough, that's what it was. Oh, baby. So, yeah. And, um, I mean, it was almost rusted down to nothing, you know. But there's so much history right here. Uh, in Port O'Connor, it's it's incredible. You know, right there, Saluria uh, Bayou. Right. Uh, there was a town right there, the town of Saluria. Uh, it was laid out like a town with streets and everything. Really? Right there where the old Coast Guard station is. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. There was a town laid out there. Oh, man. And uh, a hurricane uh, destroyed it, and uh, then they moved inland, Indianola. And all that, but um, oh, there's a lot of history right here. It's incredible. But um, yeah, there's no telling what you could find around here. Yeah, it's um, so much history here. It's incredible. One of my customers one day we were fishing in the pass, and he hooked something, kind of hung up on him something. He kept pulling. I thought he was going to break his line. All of a sudden, it broke loose. And, he pulled in a, a piece of rusted metal, and he said, I don't know what this is. And I got to looking at it. It was a, it looked like a, a bit off of a horse bridle. And oh. it was a, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> and it had to be off one of those ships. Yeah. It was a rusted look looking bit, horse bit. Now, where did that come from in the past? Yeah. I mean, it That's was old, amazing. real old. Yeah. And, boy, I wanted it. They washed up it. off, you know, off a sunken ship. I mean, they hauled horses yeah. on them, too, to get them over here. Exactly. And he kept it, and I wanted it. <laughs> but he kept it. Oh, man. You just never know what you're going to find out there. You know, we had barrier reefs in this bay that uh, had little cuts through them that they could barely navigate their schooners through, you know, before we had all the ship channel era and all that, you know. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they'd come in through the passes from the Gulf into Galveston Bay, and, and uh, like, the big, the big barrier reef was from Smith Point to what is called Eagle Point. Now, back in that day, it was called Edwards Point, and... Uh, they would navigate through that barrier reef, and that's, you know, when they talked about the bay turning red with redfish, the water would just get blood red. And uh, then you had another one that was a similar barrier reef in Trini Bay that was uh, it's actually Fisher Shoals, Fisher's Reef. It ran from Umbrella Point all the way across Trinity Bay to the east shoreline 
which is where Hodges Reef is now. And the Karanko Indians used to use that to walk across the bay on low tide. And uh, hmm. it's pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, we've got, you know, we've got uh, like uh, artifact mounds back there on the uh, back end of uh, Trinity Bay where the, in the marsh and you're not allowed to dig in them or anything. I mean, if you, if you could, were allowed to do that, you'd find millions of airheads and everything else. And, uh, or they would chuck oysters and clamshells and all that. The Karankwa Indians would. Yeah. And make those big mounds. Yeah. I, uh, I was in, uh, I was living in Port Arthur when I was going to college and, and uh, there was a little bayou that I used to go out and, and uh, we'd hunt ducks and we, we'd, we'd shoot mallards and uh in the afternoons all those mallards would fall into these little creeks and stuff right so um, there's a biology teacher that uh oh he was a big hunter and so he and i would would hunt mallards together and uh, i took him this one area and we eased back in this little creek with a flat bottom boat and i pulled up this one area and I, i got out of the boat and i got up on this this mound like you're talking about and i was standing there looking to see if any mallards are falling into this one spot. And he said, well, I'll be darned. I said, what? He said, you're standing on an Indian burial mound. I said, I am. He said, you are. He said, that's an Indian burial mound. And that's what it was. It was, they had shell and everything kind of piled up, you know, Uh muscle shell. And that's what it was. And uh, so when he told me that and I realized what I was, I started looking for him and I could, I found several of them, uh, along that bayou uh i never dug in any of them but uh but i saw several of them so there's a lot of a lot of stuff like that around here you just never never know what you're going to find you know but um a lot of history a lot of history around here uh, i was uh in baffin bay fishing baffin and i was coming back to uh rivera we run the boat back to rivera and this buddy of mine from kingsville said he said, look over there on the King Ranch. He said, along that shoreline right there. He said, I, I used to find a lot of arrowheads right along that oh, shoreline. Oh, Yeah, I said, mm. and I went, mmm, right over in this cove and pulled up <laughs> to this cove. And uh, I said, uh, well, I got out of the boat and uh, walked up the shoreline and put the anchor anchor down. And I turned around to walk over to the boat to get a, get a Coke. And I looked down at right at the water's edge. There was a real pretty arrowhead laying right there, right at the water's edge. And uh, so we we got out, walked around on on the sand right there, and we picked up like five or six real pretty arrowheads. Didn't take long at all. Amazing. Yeah, it is. You know, South Texas, there's a ton of arrowheads down there. Uh, Blaine's brother, Craig, every time it rains real hard, there at the ranch he he walks all the senderas and uh you know as it rains it'll bring stuff like that artifacts up to the surface you know to the top right and you wouldn't believe the arrowhead collection that craig has it's it's unbelievable and uh, i love that stuff they find all kinds of artifacts you know like uh these stones that are carved down like a big you know, a big rock that'll fit in the palm of your hand, and they used that for, like, cutting bones, you know, like a, a small hatchet, but they used it in their hand. It's rounded off real smooth, and the end mm-hmm. of it, you can see where they chipped it down with harder stone, 
to make it like a uh, hatchet head where they could cut bones on, on animals and all that when they were cleaning them. And hmm. uh, Craig's into that big time. Oh, man. And well, this friend Texas of mine has prime for finding things like that. Oh, yeah. This friend of mine has this ranch there at Freer. Um, he's got a, a one one area of this ranch. He's got a tree on that place. It's the largest mesquite tree I've ever seen in South Texas. And come to find out, it's the landmark uh, for the uh, 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 oh, the land grant, mm-hmm. the Spanish land grant in that area. Right. I mean, it's huge. And uh, we were standing there uh, talking about it and looked around, and, and there was an arrowhead laying there. <laughs> Picked up an arrowhead right there. And uh, well, there's no telling, you know, there's no telling what's under the uh, bay floor. Oh, you know, from uh, back I know in the day. Oh, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Oh, man, I'm telling you. Yep. If walls could talk, you know. Yeah. Go around those trees. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, these rivers that run through there, the Nueces River runs through his place. And, oh, man, I, I, I can just imagine. Beautiful. Oh, it is. I bet that's some prime yeah. habitat and beautiful property. Oh, it is. It is full of game, man, I'll tell you. You know, we had we trading post up in Galveston Bay, you know, that the Indians and and early settlers and all that would use, you know, like Fort Anahuac Park was one of them you know, way up in the top end of Trinity Bay. Then you had one way up there by uh, Burnett Bay that they mm-hmm. used. And then Rollover Pass, it got its name because of uh, rolling whiskey and rum barrels across that from the beachfront to the bay. Right. And those shallow schooners would load those uh, barrels up and then take them to the training po- trading post, and they wouldn't have to pay tariff on them when they came through Galveston. Bootleggers. Right. Bootlegging an old profession. <laughs> oh boy yeah a lot of history there yeah yeah, yeah. well look at uh look at Ayers dugout right I mean, you know they used to used to run cattle across there mm-hmm. that's what they, <laughs> they used to do cattle. from uh smith point to edwards point that's how they got mm-hmm. them to market the stockyards were in galveston back in the day and uh yep. they would uh all the cattle ranchers east east of Galveston, you know, like, you know, all the High Island and Winnie and all that area, they would herd those cattle down that peninsula between East and Trinity Bays and then go from Smith Point across to uh, Edwards Point. And hmm. yep. heard a lot of old cowboy stories from that back in the day, too, in my area. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And all those flats over there, all that property, everything from, you know, up the channel below Houston all the way down to Galveston, that was just like huge prairies out there. Wild buffalo used to roam those. Hmm. Man, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. uh, How times have changed now. Boy, (laughs) Come back from the 17 and 1800s, you wouldn't even recognize this place, man. (laughs) <laughs> well when i uh when i lived in houston <clears throat> uh they were building i-10 <clears throat> they were just working on interstate 10 mm-hmm. yeah i mean interstate when i was 10. a kid if we were going to go to beaumont or louisiana we'd take <clears throat> i-190 oh yeah 
Yeah, that's right. I was well, we, we'll be miles. dead and gone and rotted in the ground by the time they get any work finished on 45 or I-10. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I was digging through some files the other day, and I found an old Texas road map, and uh, Interstate 10 was old 90. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I remember yep. when I was a kid, all you heard about was head-on collisions, you know, terrible car wrecks on Highway 90. It was two lanes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I remember when they, remember the gasoline shortage and, and uh, when they uh, had the big shortage of gasoline. What was that, like 71, 72, somewhere oh, around, there? Yeah, oh, I think it was. And I never forget, I was uh, worked for this company that had a deer lease in Sonora. And uh, and they said uh, they had a, a little lottery, and uh, they had a lottery where some of the employees could go out there and hunt. Well, nobody could afford gas, you know. Right. And they couldn't get gas. Well, myself and a couple other guys got to go out there and hunt. Well, we had to take a barrel full of gasoline in the truck, <laughs> and and uh, to drive out there to hunt. And, yeah, uh, you had to go by your last uh, digit in your license plate, whether it was an even or an odd number, and you could only right. buy gas on even or odd number days. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who was president then? Carter? I think so. I think, I it, think was it was. Jimmy Carter, yeah. But uh, but I was going hunting, I'll guarantee you. <laughs> Nothing was going to stop us. We're going <laughs> We're going to go out there and hunt. Well, boy, if we'd gotten a wreck, boy, that would have been an explosion. I guarantee you that. Boy, howdy. I'm telling you. <laughs> I remember, yeah, we'd have made you that. know, when they had the old Baytown-Laporte tunnel that went underneath the ship channel, you know, where the uh -huh. Fred Hartman Bridge is now. Oh, yeah. Oh, what a pain that was. But uh, you, they would uh, – sometimes they'd check your vehicles. You couldn't have a propane bottle or anything like that in the back of a pickup truck and go through the tunnel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd been an explosion. Oh yeah, that's uh. <coughs> man, I remember those yeah. days. Good. Lord. Oh yeah. Can you imagine <laughs> with the amount of traffic and commerce and everything we've got these days, and you still had that tunnel? That was the only way to get across that ship channel was go under the through the tunnel. It'd, it'd be a traffic nightmare. I, I didn't realize they don't have it anymore. Yeah, they. Uh, <laughs> They uh, blasted it up and took it offshore and made a reef out of it. No kidding. I didn't I didn't even know that. Yeah, and on certain thought, nights, if you were planning on going, you know, to Pasadena or whatever from my end town, Baytown, I mean, they, they would have, they'd have it shut down and they'd wash it. You know, they'd clean it, clean all the soot out of there. On a, it was all tiled inside. No, be darned. Man, how, how times have changed, huh? I'm telling you. That was back in the day, boy. Back in the day. It, uh, man. Everybody man, thinks man. they got it rough now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was back when we didn't have air conditioning, boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the schools weren't air conditioned anything. If you wanted to, you wanted conditioned air, you'd go to a movie theater or something. Oh, yeah. Heck, I, I remember. That was a big deal you? back in the day. <clears throat> you know, uh you know, businesses would, uh, you know, have signs in their window, conditioned air. They didn't call it air conditioned. They call it conditioned air. And everybody would go yeah. eat, 
eat dinner there or go to some kind of event just so they could be in air conditioning. Yeah. Oh, when I was going to college, we didn't have air conditioning. Yeah. At Lamar. No. Had the, had the louvered uh, windows. He had to die now. Oh, they would. <laughs> I would, too. You, <laughs> I would, too, man. Can you imagine? I mean, we had uh, my house. We had a ceil- uh, attic fan. That's an that was fan. the deal. Attic fans, and you'd wake up in the mornings, go to school, and you were freezing to death. Mm-hmm. Remember how cool it felt? Oh, it did. You just got so accustomed, you know, to the hot temperatures, and it just it didn't sure. bother anybody. But nowadays, I tell you what, I tell you what, they're in Port Arthur though. Uh, you get a, a south wind blowing. And, uh, boy, you get that south wind blowing, and uh, Sabine Pass had a <laughs> and uh, make it, making fertilizer. Oh, my goodness. Oh, not good. Oh, my goodness. That's kind of no, like the paper mills in this area. That's why they called Pasadena back in the day Stinkadena. Yeah. You go down yeah, 225, right. and that wind was out of the north. You could smell that paper mill. It was nasty. I remember that, yeah. Boy, that pogey plant! Oh my god! Oh, goodness. there's nothing worse than them pogey plants. That that they still have that one over there by Calcasieu, and you drive by there, and the winds out of the east, that it'll Ooh. it'll uh, burn all the hair out of your nose. Oh, pretty bad! Knock a buzzard off the gut wagon. It mm-hmm. sure will. <laughs> Gag a maggot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, it Lynn. Will. Well, I'm out of time, buddy. I got to run. Top of the hour coming up. Somebody wants to call you about coming down to Port O'Connor and fishing with you, brother. How they get a hold of you? Yes, sir, and give me at uh, 361-935-6833. All right, Lynn, you have a good Sunday, and uh, I'll talk to you next week, buddy. All right, man, have a good one. Take care. See you, man. All right. All right. Unfortunately, we've got to go to a break. It's top of the hour, but we've got the national anthem coming up. You're listening to the Outdoor Show here at Sports Radio 610. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.